This is GKW. Welcome to a special edition of Good Karma Wrestling following AEW Grand Slam in New York. Shout out to ESPN New York and all those people watching us uh, after that show. I'm Gabe Nutzen from ESPN Milwaukee. With me, as always, is Brian Rowitz from ESPN West Palm. And you catch him on ESPN 1000 in Chicago. He is Jay Hood. And we have to start with where it ended. We have a new three-time. AEW world champ John Moxley defeats Brian Danielson in an exciting finish. Um, th that match, the crowd, I, I was a little worried about the crowd. They were so hot for the first hour and a half. Okay, do they have enough energy here to get them through? And they absolutely did. And it ended up being probably the match of the card, which I don't think you can always say for AEW, where the main event always is the one that is the one we're going to talk about. But those two in the ring really delivered to close out the night. Well, Gabe and Broitz, here's what I loved about that match. For the last couple of weeks, we were trying to determine who's going to be the new AEW champion, which means trying to do something different post CM Punk, post the Young Bucks, all the nonsense that happened in Chicago. And you know what? It was hard to pick. What we talked about last week was you go with a guy that was the heart and soul of AEW. That promo you cut a couple of weeks ago, John Moxley was talking about how important it was for him to solidify a legacy for himself in AEW. Then you got Brian Danielson, who's already had one concussion in AEW, who has been had some banger of matches. But John Moxley, to me, is the guy in AEW. And in that matchup, even though I thought Moxley could would win, I wasn't really sure. But that's the essence of wrestling, right? We all try to figure out who's going to win, who's going to lose. But somehow, some way, even when the bell rang, I still wasn't sure. But Moxley comes out on top, and he's the new AEW champion, and rightfully so. Past CM Punk, bro, it's I think that Moxley's been the guy that's been there, not only in AEW, but also in the indies, representing AEW very well. Yeah, I think that's what made that match so special is we really didn't know who was going to win. And, you know, you got to feel a little bit for Moxley. I mean, the man wanted to go on vacation. That's now going to be delayed even more because he has to carry the title and be the face of the franchise. But this is well-deserved. I personally wanted Brian to win, and I thought it'd be a little, you know, fresh, a little bit differently. But Mox is the face of the franchise right now. He has taken this company and said, okay, Punk's going to be Punk. I'm going to do my thing. I'm going to say, hey, this is going to be the place. I want people to come and work here. And that's why I think he deserves the title. And I think he's going to represent them as world champion really well. So there are two things that to me, I don't want to say telegraph the finish, but I think they kind of helped build. The first one, the build between MJF and John Moxley. Like that was one of the first things we got with MJF. And those two had their dueling promos when MJF cut his first promo on Dynamite after All Out in Chicago. And clearly that was going to be a feud. Now, because AEW does like to try to space some of these things out, it could have been, I mean, that could have easily put have been put on the back burner, reheated very quickly had they decided to go with Brian Danielson. But there was one other thing that caught my ear listening to the match. I think it was Shivani who said it, where he made the comment about how durable Moxley has been. Like, you, oh, this has been one of our most durable champions, which outside of Moxley, I don't think he's missed time for injury. He missed time because he ended up going to rehab. Um, you know, so he missed some of that time when he was supposed to be in one of the tournaments uh, just a little under a year ago at this point. But you think about some of the other champs, I mean, between him and Jericho, they've been durable. And and, and again, that's that's not a knock on anybody else. We all know professional wrestling is going to end up, 
you know, with a lot of injuries and, and kudos to Kenny Omega who wrestled through a lot of those injuries while he was the champion before he ended up giving up the hangman page, obviously with CM Punk, he had two different injuries very close to, if not in the matches where he won the AEW championship. So that durability factor, I wonder if that played into the decision to make it Moxley over Brian Danielson, who's also missed time. Yeah, I think that's fair. I, I think that ultimately you had a choice. You went with CM Punk originally, and CM Punk came off an injury and got injured again. We've seen Brian Danielson already with a concussion. And so, as I mentioned, this guy's in Game Changer. He's doing other indies. He's doing New Japan. He's doing AEW. And somehow he stays healthy. And plus, I think he really feels it, man. That promo he had, uh, I believe, a few weeks ago saying that I'm all about legacy, I think that matters to, to John Moxley. And so I think it's the right choice. And I really love the match, too, guys. The match was yeah. fantastic. So physical. We knew it was going to be physical. You know, the, it just all those big chops that we saw, that was amazing, too. I really thought that we're going to get a near fall here watching it. When we saw that curb stomp from Moxley, I'm like, wait a minute, that's not Rollins playbook, you know, because that's kind of a callback, right, from the day field. And I'm like, oh, a little curb stomp. Hadn't seen that before. One, two in the kick out. Some near falls, but it's exactly what I thought we were going to get. Just a well-balanced match, and this Moxley comes out on top. I thought for a second we'd get a spear, too. Just get all the Shield member finishers in one match for John Moxley. A little ooh-ah, ooh-ah. Give me, give me a little ooh-ah. You know, get, get the whole thing, get the whole kit. Everything, yeah. But you talk about those little nuggets, game. They also said early on, in terms of Brian, he has avenged every one of his AEW losses except Moxley, who he lost to at Revolution. So they sort of planted that, saying, okay, hey, here's someone else you can avenge that loss now. I do think it comes down to that. I think you pointed out a couple weeks ago, Jay Hood. Like, you can't be put in that situation again. You can't crown a champion tonight and then in two weeks be like, well, actually, we got to switch it up again or we need an interim champion again. And Mox is the type of guy that I think he's going to go no matter what. Like, he could have body parts hanging off of him. He's going to be there. I think they still could have gotten MJF a different way. I do wonder, do they push it to the pay-per-view? Because that's mid-November. So that's almost two months away until full gear. So I'm curious to see how that path goes before we ultimately get to MJF and Mox. Yeah, we got some reaction here from Buzz3Beater says, it really feels like a reward for Moxley. It was an amazing amazing match. Uh, Mike the New York Foul says, what a show. Um, you know, again, um, Tater says that, hey, uh, Moxley hasn't bled in three weeks. That yeah, is a positive. I, I mean, right? New record. Is he really the champ? I mean, he didn't bleed during the match. Is he really the AEW champ if Moxley didn't bleed? I mean, that's... He's probably bleeding these right are, now. These are questions they're going to have to address on Rampage. Yeah, no, I think he's bleeding now, but we have to watch young Sheldon, so we don't get to see it, but I'm sure the live crowd gets to see it. <laughs> but but did, did Gabe, how does this make you feel, though? Because you are a Mox guy. How does it make mm -hmm. you feel tonight that he became the champion again? I'm excited for him. Like, yeah, because... He has just been the standard barrier. I think I was ready and maybe mentally was prepared for Brian Danielson and maybe then because with, with the chip, right, with, with MJF sitting there with the chip, I think if you would have not made Mox the champ, you still could have had a Mox-MJF feud. Brian Danielson could have a couple of, you know, title defenses as he builds up his resume as the champ before MJF maybe then comes in at the pay-per-view and ends up taking it off of him. Or you you could probably extend that out even to their February pay-per-view, you know, and, and wait a couple more months before MJF. Because it seems like the way that Tony Khan's talked about it, that he can cash in that chip whenever he wants. So they my, that maybe they he can get a title match anytime, any place is how they're uh, 
positioning it, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know if it's quite money in the bank where he's going to run in at some point and, and, but anytime, any place, it seems like where he can cash that in. Um, so, so this is a this is AEW's Austin Theory. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, uh, well, I mean a little bit. I mean he he's probably a little more over than Austin Theory at this point. I mean he, yes. he probably man that that's something. Okay, think about this while we're discussing because at the end of it we can rank the pops of the night because there were some of them. I mean there were some loud loud pops. That crowd was super into the show all night long. But I'm excited for Mox, man, because I know that he's going to put on entertaining matches. And and honestly, now I'm excited to see what they can do storytelling with John Moxley. Because the last the last championship run that he had as the interim champ, the entire time it's like, okay, he's fighting these matches and he's having fun matches on Dynamite and Rampage and doing all these things. But ultimately you knew that once CM Punk came back, those two were going to fight and they were going to unify the title. So you weren't going to get any real interesting stories, any deep storytelling. And maybe you can do that. Maybe you do it right away with MJF. Maybe MJF just kind of is a constant presence around the entire thing as he has different feuds. I'm curious to see what they do with the storytelling with John Moxley that they were unable to do earlier this summer because he's just the interim champ. Well, to that point, I think the time is important because I think when MJF gets that chance, MJF can't lose that match. Like no. when MJF is competing for the world title, he needs to win the world title. So are you going to take it off Mox right away in that first major defense? So I think what you've shown is that you can, and it's not going to cool Mox down because that's pretty much what happened, you know, with what they decided to do with CM Punk, where they made him the unified champ. And then two weeks later, they took it off of him at all out. And Mox was super over with the crowd in New York tonight. Like everybody was getting into the, the entrance. Everybody was singing wild thing when he came down. So I think that maybe that gave them, if they decide to do it right away, if they decide to do it almost immediately and make MJF that and, and Mox is just a transitional champ, I don't think it's going to cool Mox down at all because he's reached that point where he's just so over that everybody's going to be accepting of it. I, I want Mox to have a run at this thing. I do because I think it's deserved. This whole thing with MJF, and I know he's working us, and I'm sure he's working mm -hmm. the boys and the girls in the back as well. But I just saw him just interviewed uh, the other day. And he's still talking about the WWE and talking about how he's going to be a free agent in 2024. And I just know if I'm an AEW fan for a shoot, I'm annoyed by it. Like, dude, you're an AEW guy, man. You, you should be with the company the next five or seven years. But who knows? That's the thing. I guess the unknown is the attraction. Because we saw Cody go over to WWE. Who knows with MJF? Who knows? And I don't know how much more money that he was paid MJF to to stay he did not get a contract extension all of that and and so you know i guess the unknown and the question marks are there i just don't want to rush and put the title on him i don't want that i i want moxley to be able to go through his contenders let mjf continue to dominate we know he's the number one guy eventually he will be champion but i don't want to see him with the title at full gear and I don't want to see him in January. I, I think that you can tell a great story, and when the time is right, you can make Moxley the champion, uh, make uh, MJF the champion. I don't need a hot potato title for the AEW championship. We see, we've seen the title move around enough, quite frankly, in 2022. Well, no, yeah. I agree and, and with so that part. But, like, what if MJF wins it and then, like, it's like a year run? Because you mentioned 2024, like, that's a year away. So that could be the whole gimmick is, like, hey – someone's chasing him the faces are chasing him trying to make sure he doesn't have the title when eventually he becomes a free agent and i know we've seen that angle a lot in wrestling 
But I think a guy like MJF could really pull it off and really do it well. So in that fantasy booking scenario, who is that trying to chase him down? Because Moxley is without a doubt the top baby face who mm -hmm. like when constantly called on is ready to be there and step up and be the number one baby face. Who is that guy that you would be that you would have chased down MJF? I mean, I think you could have anyone do it, and ultimately the one that beats him and wins it, and we've talked about him a lot in the way he's maybe stagnated a little bit, is Wardlow. And you get that MJF Wardlow moment again, and this time it's for all the marbles, it's the main event, and that's the culmination of that payoff a year down the line. Or CM Punk. <laughs> you know what Wardlow is the, no, honestly I'm just kidding but honestly Wardlow's the name younger guys Damn, uh, yeah. to, I think that's where you go Gabe because it's really about the future as as I've said and I still believe you know Cody Rhodes could be the Pied Piper for some of these former WWF guys or some of these AEW originals to go to WWE so while you're doing that you still got to establish your next generation of AEW guys, guys that you believe in, they could be the champion. Um, but at, for this moment tonight, I'm happy for John Moxley, and I feel like AEW is settled, right? Like all the yeah. stuff about you know whether or not Omega was bit on his arm or not, and that was seen <laughs> online, and what's going on with the Young Bucks? You know, when will we see you know being the elite again? All this stuff. I mean, those are stories, but I think the story tonight is I feel like AEW has gone back to what they do best. And that's just putting on performances, wrestling. That's what they. That's what they're doing right now for their audience. I think that's pretty cool. Well, and one of the things that AEW has done best is debuts. So we get a great match to end, but right before we see a name that, I, I mean, she's been kind of making the rounds. I, I I wasn't expecting it tonight. You know, with when I think of the last big debuts that happened within AEW, you got to go back to All Out, not this last one, but All Out of 2021 when you got both Brian Danielson and you got Adam Cole, baby, both debuting at the end of that pay-per-view. And, you know, like there was plenty of rumors surrounding that. So for Soraya to arrive and then also parade around and make it, hey, this is my house, make it very obvious that she's going to be wrestling again. Like, that's exciting. Like, that, to me, provides a shot of life that that women's division absolutely needs because the women's division, by the way, has also not been getting a lot of good pub because of Thunder Rosa. And is she actually have an injury? And now she's saying it's going to be taking her a long time to come all the way back and all these different things. And, I mean, by inserting Soraya, formerly known as Paige in WWE, you have another legit star like that. Like now you've got Britt Baker who's worked her way to being that legit star. They clearly want Tony Storm to continue to work her way there. But Soraya is boom. She's, I mean, she, she vaults to the top of that women's division because of how over she is with the wrestling community. Well, you know, the thing that's the hidden thing about Soraya is guys, do you know, she's just 30. Yeah. She's 30 years old. I mean, mm -hmm. honest to God, we've been seeing her on our TV, we feel like, for the last 20 years, uh -huh. right? And because she has not wrestled, and it's it's funny, the parallel between her and Brian Danielson, right? The WWE would not allow Soraya or Paige to wrestle because of her, her issues, because of her injuries. And they're like, nah, we're going to shut you down. And she was still under contract, but still wasn't wrestling. It wasn't like she was a TV announcer or a manager or anything. She was just on the payroll. Because they had that documentary, right, bro? It's, they were trying to get that out there. So yep. 
you know, it's interesting to see her back. Honest to God, guys, I'm going to have to go back and watch and see what she does best in the ring. It's been that long. It's been a while. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. She's a hell of a promo. You know that she's a great talker. Yeah. That's the thing. Like, she's someone that you know can go. And I think overall, like, to Gabe's point, like, tonight was, like, a legit surprise. Like, Tony was dropping those little hints. He wasn't doing the, like, guarantee of, like, hey, I've got something. It was like, hey, I've got something off my sleeve. And my thought was, like, there's no one out there. Like, who are you going to pull off? Like, at one point in the night, I thought, well, maybe Jericho winning was a surprise. Maybe that's what he's talking about because most people didn't see that coming. So when she came out, I was like, oh, that is a really good surprise. And I hope they're able to book her correctly. I mean, it gets to the point, right, where I mean, we've watched enough professional wrestling where they're lingering during the beatdown of, you know, the, the heels are beating down the baby faces after the match and they're lingering. And you're going, oh, someone's probably going to be here. And you start going through and I'm like, well, no, there's no way they actually got Sasha Banks. There's no way like they're going to have, you know, um, and, you know, any of those, somebody like that come down. So it was a legit surprise because again, like the last we heard, and she was kind of coy about it the last time I remember seeing any of her public comments about, yeah, I'm probably going to be done. You know, I'm sad that my contract ran out with WWE, but it doesn't make sense for me to be there since I'm not going to wrestle. Like she also did a very good job of keeping playing this so close to the vest that we didn't know she was going to show up, which I think led to the amount of craziness that was in the atmosphere after they saw the word, the name Soraya come across that jumbotron. Very smart crowd in New York. And it's not surprising because for some, it's like Soraya, Soraya, who is this? And then you see Paige again, her hair is different. And so it's just, I think people uh, were pretty overjoyed to see her, but as far as that match is concerned, you know what I'll remember, not just Soraya coming out, but this is Athena's coming out party. She took that match over. She was very yeah. physical in there. She did a really good job. And Jamie Hayter, I'm ashamed. You should have won the championship in Chicago, but then you align yourself with, with bleeding Britt Baker. Yeah, poor DMD. Britt. Like, don't you feel bad for her? Another, It looks like another broken nose because of her nose again. Down on her. Like, come on. <laughs> she's great with the teeth, but she's not very good with the nose. <laughs> with the old schnoz, she can't keep that thing plugged up. <laughs> To your point, Athena like saved that match. It seemed like the crowd was kind of waning, and then all of a sudden she just pulls off a couple of huge moves, including the one that probably resulted in Britt Baker breaking her nose. But hey, look, it looked awesome. Sorry, Britt, just look cool. Yeah. You know, it was a cool looking move. And that suddenly, like that, the crowd was right back into that match all the way to the finish. Yeah, I mean, the crowd had a lot to do tonight. That was a lot of work, and, you know, we were texting about it. They still have two hours of Rampage to sit through right now as well. But from the jump, from literally the first match when you're playing Judas to the end, this crowd was pretty into it. It was a really fun crowd tonight. It felt like a big show. It performed like a big show, and it was just a fun night of wrestling. Yeah, it really did. And, I mean, we also got – we've spent the last 20 minutes talking about the last, you know – 40, 45 minutes of the show. <laughs> By the way, there were two title changes right away to kick off the show, which that was surprising to me that they decided to go Jericho over Claudio. And I understand that Claudio, I mean, he's he's not young spring chicken, you know, the, the, the type of ROH talent that you would typically think of. But I was surprised that they decided to go with Jericho over Claudio Castagnoli for the ROH world title. You know, the conspiracy theory in me thinks – is there an ROH TV deal coming? Because why make that switch outside of saying, oh, my God, Jericho wins another championship? You know, 
Ultimately, we will never know if Claudio was really over as ROH champion. Those Rampage matches don't mean anything to me. It's like if ROH had their own TV deal, their own digital deal, and Claudio was the champion, you know how many great banger matches we would have had? He already had some good matches for sure. I'm not discounting it, but I'm just saying that he's a champion for a brand that doesn't have TV. And now it's Jericho. And boy, if you were ever going to start like a, a TV network or some digital spot, Jericho, who is totally the opposite of everything ROH, man, I think that that would really work. A guy like that is your ROH champion works. Otherwise, he's just the champion on Rampage and parading around a championship without a home. Yeah, yeah. No, what, what's he supposed that. to commentate on his own championship matches on Rampage? What the hell is he supposed to do? Booker T used to do that in TNA. <laughs> <laughs> he did. Booker T, here I come. I stopped in the head. Booker T, now with the axe kick. Booker T with it. I'll send you that clip. It's awesome. From TNA. It's awesome. In Orlando. But like, they, they're following their own blueprint. Like when AEW launched, when they launched TV, it was Jericho that was a champion because this was their familiar face. It was a name people recognized. So, if this does mean ROH in the TV deal, they're like, yes, Jericho as a heel ROH world champion works wonderful. Like, you know, he's a sports entertainer. He doesn't want to shake hands. He's going to do his thing. He's the anti-ROH guy. Like, that's a fun run. And then you can end that with Daniel Garcia being the, you know, the pure wrestler, the pro wrestler's wrestler to go out there and win a world title and give him that bump. So I think if there's that, this works. Otherwise, it just felt like a surprise for the sake of a surprise. Yeah, yeah, and I, uh, yeah, I just it felt I, flat with the crowd. Like, yeah, I don't think the crowd was into it. I like, just because it because you know Claudio's a fan favorite, and, they, and yeah. I think it was kind of like, oh, you know, the guy that we really like, we're happy that he's got the championship, we got the giant swing. Right. Like, yeah, I think Jericho went around 20 times. That's a cloud, that's a crowd favorite. It's amazing. You can bring something back from the 1940s in wrestling, <laughs> and now it's over in 2022. The, just swing your guy around for like 20 <laughs> times and it gets over. It's crazy. <laughs> so, something I saw in black and white films, like on YouTube. It's amazing. So that gets over, and so does Scissor Me Daddy Ass. Like, that's where we're at in the world of professional wrestling, where those are the things that are getting over in professional wrestling as the acclaim is your new AEW World Tag Team Champs. And the match was fine, and the crowd was hot for them. The match at All Out was better, and I wish they would have just given the acclaim the tag titles at All Out because that was a much better match. And Did they just kind of mess up the camera angle on the spot where, you know, they were, they were working that Max Castor hurt his knee? Did he get pushed by Swerve? Because I can't imagine he would have just jumped off going for an elbow drop and just land on his feet. Like, that That just seemed really weird to me. And then they were working the knee the entire rest of the match. Like, it just, it, it just seemed very disjointed from that spot on. Yep, 100% agree. Like, from that spot, then they did something, like, on the shoulders where we're like, what is happening right now? Like it almost felt like it was karma for not giving them the titles at all out because that match was so good. That crowd was so high. They're like, Oh, we'll, we'll just do it again in a few weeks. And like the match wasn't great. They still got their moment. Like the acclaimed winning still got the reaction that ultimately they wanted. But yeah, overall the match a little bit disappointing just because of some of the sloppiness. Yeah, the camera work, to Gabe's point, was not great in that match period. Even the finish was kind of like the the camera. And I know it's a kind of an odd building, but you got to make yeah. sure that your you know, center field camera shot's ready to go for a big moment like that. Like, they showed it. I think they did a better job on the replay. It was a little closer. But just the whole moment, it was a disconnect for me. 
And, you know, you can always tell when a guy's going to lose a championship because <laughs> my man Keith Lee did not put in the just for men. He just went just completely just gray. You notice that? The whiskers yeah. are just gray, man. I'm like, ah, that guy's going to lose. He, he doesn't give a shit because he didn't put the black in. You know, he didn't put the, the little just for men in the, in the beard. I'm like, ah, they're going to lose. He doesn't care anymore. And so, um, and, and but I'll tell you what, Keith Lee, it just shows you, man, how this business evolves. We've seen big guys wrestle for a long time. That guy gave you a scissor, a, a head scissors takeover early in the match. I mean, it like a guy that size, Gabe, that can be able to do those kind of moves. I mean, he he moves like a cruiserweight when he wants to. Pretty good. But but well, let's let's just let's let's just call it the way we see it. Swerving our glory was a disconnect from the beginning. Two different entrances for the guys. They had some good matches. Of course, the one in Chicago was fantastic, in which we think the acclaim should have won. But ultimately, those two together, they never gelled, not to no. me, as a real tag team. They didn't even dress the same. No. I, and I agree with you, like, with, with the separate entrances, because, I mean, AEW – you know, they claim, hey, this is tag team wrestling. We really care about tag team wrestling. We want to really have that out there and be one of the front-facing parts of our company. And, and their tag team championship run started with us thinking they were going to break up. Like, it wasn't that long when Keith Lee got eliminated during one of the Battle Royals that AEW does that, you know, by Swerve Strickland that you're going, oh, okay, so then we're going to have this. Pro and then suddenly everything was fine and they trusted each other again, but they didn't kind of trust each other, but then they won the title. So then they trusted each other again. Yeah. It was just, it was again, one of those things that just never to me got off the ground. Now they, they could put on great matches, but there was just kind of a disconnect between the storytelling aspect and then putting on the good matches as well. Well, to that point, like, I think, like, they actually broke up at one point. Like, I remember, Gabe, you texting us from Milwaukee, and I think it was, like, a dark revolution. You're like, they're actually still tagging together. And we're like, what do you mean? Like, we watched them on TV break up. Like, they shouldn't be tag team anymore. And you're like, no, Keith Lee and Swerve are in a tag match together right now. So, like, that was weird. And then even tonight, like, they dropped those hints where you had the boombox spot, but they did so much after that that it's almost a forgotten moment in that match. So, like, are we going down that path where just those two going at each other? Like, there was just a lot missing. And ultimately, you know, the stuff with Jeff Hardy, I think, played into a lot because, you know, they were supposed to win the title. It was supposed to be a Hardy's tag title run. So, they ended up doing the buff. So, like, there was a lot of timeline stuff that screwed over AEW. But, yeah, I agree. The run overall, not very memorable. No, it's, I mean, as I've been saying, and I still feel this way, it's funny that we are able to see that tag team match. And in the next moment, we see FTR with three different championships. Right. They're the champions. They're, I mean, I, I mean, ask anybody. Here's here's uh, the acclaimed as the tag team champions of AEW. Then you got another tag team with three different championships. I think we know who the tag team champions are really are in that company. Well, and it's funny because, you know, they – make mention that they're the number one contenders and they've been the number one contenders since April, you know? So for the last five, six months, these guys have been the number one contenders, haven't gotten a shot. And they're obviously not going to be getting another shot because the ass boys came in and looks like they're going to have a feud with the ass boys, at least for a little bit to allow the acclaim to have some sort of tag run, because that's the other thing. When FTR goes up against the acclaimed, everybody loves the acclaimed. But FTR is the top guys. Yeah. Yep. And FTR is. That's, that's exactly what it is. Like the, the perception is reality. 
All I see is just a, a team dripped in gold, and they're the best tag team in the company. You know, again, nothing against Young Bucks fans that are watching and listening to the show, but I'm just telling you right now, the Young Bucks are on the shelf. FTR are the tag team champions, and quite frankly, it's a match that we want to see over and over again, FTR and the Young Bucks. But it, that story won't be told tonight. But I'm sure at some point down the line, we'll find out how come these two tag teams have not wrestled more than just a few times in AEW. There's got to be some political reason why. Sure. I mean, yeah, it's been twice. And, like, you know, we talked about it before. Like, it was all leading up to All Out. It was all leading up to all the belts on the line. And we just haven't gone down that path. Like, it's really weird. Like, even tonight was such a big show. Like, you wanted to see FTR there. You want to see them wrestling. Like, them in the backstage, like, it was an okay segment, but also it was a throwaway segment. Like, those guys, Wardlow, like, I want to see those guys on my TV in significant storylines, and we just don't get that. With Wardlow, it doesn't make a ton of sense. Like, I, 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 I don't agree with it, but I can make it make sense of why you've kind of kept FTR away from tag team matches recently because you're trying to, again, build up the acclaim. Well, I thought they were building up the acclaimed at all out, but they had to wait until tonight to, you know, actually give them the championships. But like, if, if to, to your point, if they're also in a tag match defending one of the three tag team titles on the same card, like you're right. Like, okay, wait, who are these guys? Why do they have the belts when these guys have all the other belts? Like it just becomes way too confusing. So while I disagree with it, especially not having FTR on tonight, man, like, FTR is your most over tag team. Even though the acclaim, people went crazy for the acclaim. They also go crazy for FTR. Yeah. But they they just kind of seem like they're trying to push them to the background because they know they're just going to overtake that entire division if they get featured as much as they should be featured. Well, I just think there's a disconnect anytime that Tony Schiavone gets more action uh, and get, it takes a bump and FTR does not on, on, on AEW. I mean – Oh, you knocked me down! Like, you know, I was telling Broitz, I'm like, for, like for 30 years in WCW, this guy could not take a bump because of his bad neck, right? And now there he is. Now is like the third or fourth voice on this show, and he's taking a bump from MJF. He took a bump, and, and FTR didn't. There's a problem there. Problem. Yeah. Yeah. And and to Wardlow's point, we haven't even talked about the other match that was in the middle of all this, the All Atlantic Championship match, which is a fine match. Weird finish, but outside interference or illegal things happening in the first three matches. You have the low blow to get the first title change. You have Daddy Ass delivering the Famouser in the second match, and then you have the uh, the hammer being used <laughs> in the. Which, if you're there live, did you know that was happening? Probably not. Nope. Because it was, I mean, on TV, you kind of picked up on it because the announce team was able to mention right. it. So then you have that in the first three matches, which I thought was a little strange. It kind of anti-AEW might be too strong, but it's something that they haven't done a lot of. Those DQ finishes, kind of schmozzy finishes in order to get either a title change or a title, you know, somebody holding on to a title. But they did it for the first three. And that was that was something that to me was was interesting. And worth keeping an eye on, but would they have been better off doing a Wardlow TNT championship match in that spot instead of something we've already seen in Pack and, and Orange Cassidy? Uh, you know, that's uh, what we call in the business filler. 
That's what, and unfortunately, right, for a championship that all three of us don't think that much of, that was a filler match. Like, we, how, how do we get out of here in six minutes? That's exactly what it was. I mean. But you could have done a six-minute Wardlow match and gotten that pop and gotten the crowd still into it. Like, a Wardlow does his thing. He squashes someone and that's it. Yeah. That was also, like, a 12-minute match. Yeah, that was, I mean, really it was more than six minutes. Like, it went through a commercial break. Yeah. Oh, it did? Yeah, I, zo I zoned out. Man. <laughs> <laughs> I zoned out. You know, it's like nothing against those two, but it's just kind of like you know, I was just so revved up for the main event. I just yeah. was trying to get oh, yeah. there. Right? I, and, I, I I zoned out of that one. And those two can go, man. Like in the matches they've had in the past, they're fun. And this one was again because of everything else happening around it, it just felt out of place. So if you if you sit back and watch it, oh okay, be a pretty good match. You know, I think that's what's going to happen. You know. I, it, it just it just felt out of place place tonight. Well, that's why the that's why God made Rampage. That's where it belonged. Quite frankly, that's where it well, belonged. That's that should be a Jim Ross match there. And also, like there comes a point where there's too much on the card. Like, give me another twenty minutes of Mox and Brian. Like, give them two commercial breaks, and like you don't need that match. Like, I'm rather that. Yeah, to make sure because that was something that you were concerned about, bro. It's like right away after the opening match, Brian's like, "Holy crap!" Like they are not going to give Mox and Danielson enough time. They are going to run out of time. Can you imagine? Oh man, that would have been like if they would have actually somehow run out of time so TBS could get to Young Sheldon, like, and you like don't even get the match finished because you gave so much other time to everybody else at the beginning. Uh, oh, yeah, man. not good. So, I mean, it was a fun card overall, like outside of, and again, I know you said you, you, you kind of zoned out during the middle one, but I, you know, the first two matches I think delivered the last two matches definitely delivered with the arrival of Soraya. And also we have a new AEW champion. So uh, all in all, it was a fun night of professional wrestling on AEW. Yeah, yes. I agree. Yes. And Kerry Silken got time. Yeah, how about that? Big spot yeah, there. Yes, you got Kerry Silken in the opening match. Like that mattered to the New York crowd. Right. Because <laughs> everyone there just recognized him. Like at least us watching on TV, they're telling us who it is. Like I'm sure everyone there's like, why Jericho just push over that old man? What just happened there? Some uh, again, old timer, right? Again, an old timer getting more bumps on the on the flagship show than the best tag team in professional wrestling. Some old dude taking more bumps than FTR on Dynamite tonight. That's our only complaint, really. It was a fun night of wrestling. And Rampage might be okay. I guess you get to well, see all the spoilers before you actually watch it. But we'll react to more of everything else happening in the world of professional wrestling. I'm sure there'll still be some stories and news out of this. Plenty of things to talk about from Raw and SmackDown as well. Tomorrow night, make sure you tune into GKW each and every Thursday, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. We'll be back with you tomorrow night. This has been a special edition. Shout out to New York. GKW. New York.